Hi, this is Jeff Kober, and we welcome you to this Disney at Work and Play podcast. Well, in previous podcasts, I've shared not only my love of all things Disney, but a largely wonderful experience I've had in being part of the Walt Disney World Company. For me, working at Disney was the best thing that ever happened to my career. But leaving Disney was the second best thing I ever did in my career. This is that story of how I left and how I eventually learned the business of consulting and creating performance journeys, the organization which sponsors this podcast and which is the heart of my work. It's also a tale of my companion business, World Class Benchmarking, and how we've created best in business programming across the globe. I'll share some of the fantastic places, clients, and opportunities I've had. I'll also share how I've come full circle writing best in Disney books, apps, and online tools. Through it, I've had an opportunity to bring Disney business magic alive, even after Disney. Make sure to check out Disney at play.com where you'll see uh, notes and links and videos and so forth connected with this podcast. Also, uh, check out the Wayfinder Society, which is really our um, uh, resource for best in business Disney ideas. If for those who want to support the podcast that uh, that is provided here, if you have a chance, go to uh, Apple or to your local podcast provider and provide a positive rating and review if you could. That just really helps so much. In my previous podcast, I talked about how many things I got to do at Disney, the clients I got to work with, the programs I got to do. It was really intense, exciting, memorable, uh, a fantastic experience. There were some challenges, however, with working for Disney. During a period after I had really established a customer service program, I wanted to actually create a program on creativity and innovation. Had a number of ideas. I thought we could bring in thoughts and and best and uh, best practices from Disney Animation, from Disney Imagineering, from the parks, from all sorts of resources to create a really great program. I took a I took a room that was more of a storage area, and I created what was called an Epic Center. Um, well, it was called Extremely Preliminary Ideas and Concepts. It was a creative creativity workshop where we could put ideas all over the boards and, and come up with a three and a half day program that would take people from no matter what industry they came in from and give them new ideas for how they might think about creativity and innovation. Spent a good seven, eight months on this project and then had an opportunity to pitch it to the senior leadership team. I felt that pitch went very well and it was on a Friday afternoon. On Monday, we were supposed to get together to kind of celebrate that milestone of, of having completed that. And yet um, the senior uh, director in charge of the Disney Institute asked that she see me prior to lunch. I was a little hesitant. First of all, I should let you know that when the Disney Institute 
which was about gardening and cooking and rock climbing, merged with Disney University professional development programs, which was about really delivering ideas and customer service and leadership and and engaging your people. When they merged, somebody had to be in charge. And in the decision of Michael Eisner, he felt that the person with the Disney Institute had the better degree and so forth. In truth, that individual had no understanding of the Walt Disney Company. They were, that individual was, um, well, that individual was my boss at that time. And when I met with that individual, she said, oh, I wanted to let you know what a great job you've done on this program. You've taken it to a really good place. I'm going to now put so-and-so in charge of this program, which by the way, was a really good friend of hers and who had come from the Disney Institute and who had, at any rate, and uh, you'll still uh, continue to be on the team if you'd like, but um, we're going to put this person in charge. I was devastated. I was hurt. And I felt like that was, in fact, I felt like the program thereafter suffered. The individual had a background in film and television. His idea was to give everybody a camera when they got off a plane and, and have them film. But it was no real rigor to tools and ideas and concepts, much less a real benchmark to Disney, which is why people came to Disney to learn how Disney did creativity and innovation. At any rate, long and short, it was a really painful moment. There were other painful moments along the way too. I talked about trying to push innovation in a number of different ways. One of the ways was I saw us doing programs out at Disneyland or Disneyland Paris or even beyond that. Um, in their view, in their very limited view, all they cared about was putting heads in beds in Walt Disney World resort rooms. They didn't see the bigger picture. They couldn't see that we could put heads in beds in, at Disneyland or elsewhere. They only saw putting heads in beds at Walt Disney World. We looked at the idea, for instance, with the customer service healthcare program, I thought it would be great to go to Celebration Health and benchmark them and the things they were doing. It was just across the street and it was on Disney property and it was part of the larger Walt Disney World picture. No, 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 we don't go there. A lot of times we were just trying to come up with new ways to partner, to innovate, to take the organization. One of those big important ways was a lot of organizations didn't want to just bring their people to a program. They needed someone to really consult with them, help them take these ideas and put it into practice in their own organization. Uh, no, the attorneys for Disney really resisted the idea that we provide best practices for them. And it became a real tension point. In the process, I became more of a facilitator doing a lot of programs, customizing programs or customizing uh, the programs we delivered toward a particular clients. I talked about that in the previous podcast. One of them was an organization called Federal Student Aid. They're the people who provide grants and loans to millions of uh, college students throughout the country. And um, there was a gentleman by the name of Stephen Blair who 
had this vision that federal student aid could be something more than about um, trapping organizations who were failing to, um, who were cheating the system around federal student aid, but really be a deliverer to students to really help put America through school. He had this great vision. And together with an organization called the Public Strategies Group, they sought to benchmark best practices. And one of them was Disney. And in the process, I met up with them and he became one of our clients at Disney Institute. And we ended up doing these programs for them, went out to D.C. to see their business, um, spent time in meeting some people, um, Lorraine Chang, Chuck and Mary Lofi, and a man named Babak Armajani, known as Army, who headed up this public strategies group. And um, in the process, I was approached with the opportunity of joining federal student aid uh, by Mr. Blair. And I said to him, well, I really don't want to work for the federal government. I don't see that. And he said, well, you don't have to work for the federal government. You could work for this consulting group, public strategies group. In conversations, I found that I could do something really remarkable out in the trench and, um, well, honestly, I'd be paid a whole lot more money doing it. There's never one reason why one would leave Disney. And in fact, the idea of leaving Disney was painful, but the opportunity of doing something like this was huge. And the possibility of being able to better provide for my family kind of cemented the deal. It gave me more flexibility. I wasn't having to work weekends like I was being dragged into and in facilitating programs at Disney, which I lamented. I mean, at Disney, they tell you, you know, um, we work while others play, but that condition was not a condition when I was brought on at Disney. I wasn't expecting to work weekends and I was being dragged into it. So at any rate, a long conversation. I finally... Um, I finally put my name tag down and went to work for Public Strategies Group. Having said that, I feel really good about my years at Disney. I felt like I created the first online interactive tools at Disney. I brought Disney Institute up to date with technology and media. I pioneered interactive learning. I reshaped programming to be more out in the parks. Um, and I pushed for Disney to go beyond Orlando and beyond just doing programs to doing consulting. Well, this was my opportunity, my privilege to do consulting. And let me tell you, I could not have worked for a better team of people. I learned the business of consulting. I learned the art of listening. I learned the ability to know when to come in and how to facilitate and get people to a better place. It, the people I was surrounded with, particularly Lorraine and Chuck and Mary, I'm telling you, they were mentors to me. They gave me insight and guidance I would never have received at Disney. And it gave me a chance to really be my best self and to be able to really deliver something more than just a keynote speech or a workshop, although I do a lot of that. 
in the process, we took federal student aid in helping them create a service vision, service values. We created their own traditions or orientation program. We created leadership development and really helped change the way federal student aid at that time was approaching its work to being more focused on helping put America through school. It was an amazing experience. The only downside is I was working a lot of, a lot of days in Washington, D.C., the idea was I would be eventually moving my family from Orlando to D.C. That was something else I wasn't excited about doing. But after looking at houses and going through realtors and everything, I finally thought, wait a minute. My colleagues work from Minneapolis, St. Paul. Why don't I just work from Orlando? And bless his heart, Army, just when I approached him, he said, yeah, sure. You want to work from Orlando? That's great. And so paying my travel and taking care of that, I was able to then live my life here in Orlando. We got annual passes and hey, we, we could enjoy a, a life here in Orlando. I had more time to serve in my faith and my community. I had more time with my family. Well, kind of. At first, there was a lot of work going on with a lot of travel. That was a painful experience. And one of those painful experiences was September 11th of 2001 when I was delivering a program and I went to break and we realized that, that um, and here I was, actually I was in a hotel delivering um, training workshops at um, an embassy suites next to the Washington um, Cathedral. And, and these planes were hitting uh, the Pentagon, were hitting New York, and so forth. And um, that was a, a powerful moment. I remember the airports closing thereafter. I remember the only one that opened for months thereafter was out in Baltimore and going through long lines there. And business was kind of uncertain. I remember actually being in D.C. on 9-11 um, stuck in in that town, and the and the the uh, fire trucks and police cars and the sirens going off all night long. I ended up getting a, te- uh, a car rental at the end of the week and driving home. Um, there was this kind of moment where, I, gosh, it was so cool to be a consultant, and yet sometimes business was a little uncertain. And so as part of it, I started a process. It took me the better part of, well, from September of 2011 through January of 2003 to kind of establish what would be my own organization, an organization I would refer to as Performance Journeys. Performance Journeys is really about... um, it is about learning. It is about training and development. It's about the journey as much as it is about performance. When I say journeys, I'm talking about the idea, the approach we take toward getting performance where it needs to be, but also the context um, in our approach for creating performance. And so I've really created this unique organization. My logo, if you study it, is... Um, it's got a globe and it's part 
compass and it is part clock. And so part of it is performance, part is journeys. If you are familiar with the timekeeper, you will remember that it is very similar, comparable to its logo with uh, some changes made by um, by my artist friend, Jack Dow, who, who created that logo. And, um, and so in 2020, 2003, I, I kept working for public strategies group and did for the next 10, 11 years, continued working with them. But at the same time, I started taking on other projects. One of them was up in Wisconsin with Schreiber Foods who was headed HR-wise by Claudio Diaz. Claudio, if you recall, was my traditions assistant who, who taught traditions when I was at Disney. He later joined Disney Institute. Then he went back to his roots in Wisconsin and headed up Schreiber Foods and went on to other opportunities after that. And he brought me in to do a lot, a lot of training and development programs that we did during that time. Um, I kept working in D.C., did through 2005. I remember on some occasions sitting in D.C. and thinking, on a long week, I miss Disney. I miss knowing what's going on. And that actually, I started looking up. I didn't even know when I worked at Disney's groups like Disneyblog.com or Laughing Place or MySage, which became MiceChat, Mouse Planet. Um, I, I began seeing these and I began reading articles and I began thinking, um, wow, you know, I wouldn't mind kind of doing some writing around this. At the same time, uh, there was a book came out called Be Our Guest. Now, turn back to my Disney Institute days. One of the painful moments there was that my boss and I, a different boss, um, DL and I, she had had some experience writing. I really knew the customer service program. We wanted to write a book on customer service at Disney as part of the Disney Institute. So it was pitched. It had to go all the way up to Michael Eisner, part of the bureaucracy. I don't know why Michael Eisner had to decide this thing, but it did. And he came back down and gave his approval for it, but said it had to be done by a ghostwriter. Both of us were really frustrated and ticked. I remember having to gather all of my materials. I mean, this plethora of materials that I had created around customer service and having to sit down with this guy and having him just take it away to write. Well, a year went by and nothing came of it. And when we inquired, it turned out the guy decided he didn't want the project. So then we made another plea to write the book. And again, we were turned down and told another ghostwriter would be. And by the way, in the original edition, that guy wasn't even listed as having as, as writing the book. The, um, the, the preface was done by Michael Eisner, uh, which may have been part of why um, Michael was dragged in in the first place. any rate, I had to sit down again with another writer who eventually, after a couple of years, wrote. And this book came out after I had left Disney. I'm opening up these books. I'm opening up this book and thinking, wait a minute here. The, the, all he did was copy and paste the stuff that I had done um, for for Disney. He hadn't really taken it and made it into a book. He just kind of took the workbook from the program and copy and pasted it. And then he interviewed um, some of my clients, like Pick and Pay and others, and, um, and put that in the book. It was so 
frustrating and so disappointing. And I just began to think, you know what? I could I could do a better job writing this book. And so thinking about some of these these sites that had that had um, articles on them, I finally reached out to Mouse Planet Adrian and said, hey, I'd like to do uh, some articles around the best in business practices at Disney. Would you be open? And so, yeah, I started writing for Mouse Planet, ended up doing press events with them and so forth. And and I would take these individual um, uh, articles and they became the basis for eventually writing um, books. And um, so my first book, The Wonderful World of customer service at Disney, kind of playing off of the wonderful world of Disney, the TV show. The Wonderful World of Customer Service at Disney was my first book that I published. And I was so proud of this little puppy. And it's gone to a second edition since. And it really brings out great customer service ideas. At the same time all this was happening, um, my great friend Judy Daly said, you know, you ought to partner with someone from Disney Institute. And that individual was Mark David Jones, who I'd worked with, even facilitated a couple of times. We hadn't really been close, but she recommended we get together. So we started a conversation and he had a vision of, look, we did a great job of bringing people to Disney to benchmark best practices. But what if we brought them to Ritz-Carlton, maybe had them stay there? What if we took them to JetBlue and their training facility? What if we took them to um, to uh, Nordstrom or to Harley-Davidson or to, or to a great hospital like Celebration Health that I mentioned a few minutes ago? What would that look like? And so he and I in 2005 partnered together and created world-class benchmarking, which was a joint venture between the two of us. We had our own companies, but we came together on world-class benchmarking. And our first gig was handling DHL, the carrier. Their European division wanted to do an event in Paris. And I cannot... Um, it is a funny story that I cannot tell on air about how I ended up landing that position. But notwithstanding, um, we ended up doing a major program for over 100 people out at Disneyland Paris. This was, this was doing the very thing I wanted to do at Disney Institute, bring programming to the other parks and other locations. We had an amazing experience with DHL. They got it. They caught the vision. And Mark and I ended up starting programs where there were open enrollment programs where we invited people to come to Orlando to benchmark best in business organizations. We still do that. We don't do it as an open enrollment. But when groups come to us, we still do it. Did one just a, a few months, well, back in September. Um, kind of kind of went on hiatus during COVID, obviously. But we've also taken that same concept and done programs in Chicago, in Los Angeles, in Shanghai, um, in Washington, D.C. We have gone throughout the country and done best in business programs with different benchmarks um, that have been truly amazing out there. And it's just been a whole form of business in and of itself. And then we got together and wrote a book called Lead With Your Customer, um, 
And that book was taking those best in business ideas from different organizations to include Disney. Over a hundred different organizations are represented in that book. We've published it. We've done a second edition that came out just before the pandemic. Um, did that, enjoyed that. Also went on to write other Disney books, um, Lessons from Epcot and Business Leadership in Life, uh, Disney's Hollywood Studios from Showbiz to Your Biz, um, and then Disney Leadership and You. So I just kept writing about all things Disney, started my own blogs and my own posts, and, um, and just had this amazing time because I really felt like somebody needed to share these great stories stemming originally from Walt, but going through the decades of lessons that Disney had learned. And, and so these books have allowed me that opportunity. I also did an app called um, Disney at Work, um, which goes way back. The app is no longer available on, on, the, uh, on the iPhone, but, but did that way back about 12, 14 years ago. And that actually made more money than my books. That was so successful. That was in the earlier days of apps. Um, we were kind of on the on the wave of that. Um, ended up doing lots of programs for lots of different organizations um, over the years. One of them was Starwood Hotels. They came to us. They have um, they had 130,000 employees across the globe. They particularly wanted to better define the customer experience at Sheraton. Four Points, Sheraton, Weston, and the St. Regis. And so we worked with them for a better part of a year, two years, helping them craft their own training and development to elevate the, the experience they were since bought up by Marriott. Um, but one of the great compliments I ever had was we were doing a pilot with St. Regis, brand new St. Regis in San Francisco. And we had... Um, well over 200 employees in this thing. Well, about five or six of them came to us toward the end of the day. And they said, look, we have to apologize, but we we have to go to work over at Four Seasons next door. They were working two shifts. They were individuals who were more in um, 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 housekeeping. And, um, and they said, however, we have to let you know that there has never been training at Four Seasons like the kind you have created for St. Regis. This was beyond anything else we've ever seen. That was a huge, huge compliment um, that I've always held in my heart from, from some frontline workers. Um, I continued to work with the public strategies group. We went to Iowa, worked with the state of Iowa. Um, and then moved on to uh, New York City, the Department of Finance. I spent, I spent several years in New York City during the week and then would fly home on the weekends. And that was amazing and crazy, the bureaucracy of New York City, but trying to help them rethink how to make it easier for taxpayers to, to um, comply in paying their taxes and making the organization more solid and better, better organized, better ran. Um, and then I had, you know, very off the cuff 
clients. I mean, I had these major, major clients, and then I, I had I had three zoos. Brookfield Zoo was the first one, and then the Houston Zoo, which include um, Rick Baranji, who was the first um, zookeeper hired to build Disney's Animal Kingdom. He is he is the one who really led that effort with Joe Rohde. And then over at Seattle Woodland Park Zoo. So I've done my share of zoos working with them. Did did work over many, many years with, with the zoos. Um, we ended up doing work in, with libraries, uh, with hospitals, with municipalities, with banks, with universities. Um, federal agencies up and down the beltway in dc i mean i literally cannot stand in any given place in dc and not look down the street and say i remember doing a program there Uh, there was so much work that i ended up doing in washington dc and across the country never in orlando i never had any clients we only had clients come to orlando because they would benchmark and experience what we had to share but never, never anything, uh, never in a client out of Orlando. But um, one of them also, and we talk about universities, was a group of students coming from Western Illinois University led by David Zanola. And he oh, must have reached out to me 11, 12 years ago. And um, there, my book, um, the Wonderful World of Customer Service at Disney became their text for the semester. And then at the end of the semester, he brought them out to um, Walt Disney World. And I spent the week, uh, much of the week with them. And that built a lifelong relationship with David Zanola, who I advocate, who's also gone on and built a travel agency. And uh, and so I've just had a great relationship with David over the years. In fact, that's that's the thing that's been so much fun. It's just people I've had a chance to work with. Um, another client going back to D.C. has been a U.S. intelligence agency. We have worked with them for, oh gosh, I think since 2014 up until just, just a couple of months ago. Um, probably we'll do something again eventually with them, but... But um, they, that's National Geospatial Intelligence Agency there. You kind of talk about the balloon that was shot down by China. Actually, the U.S. was putting balloons up in the air, uh, hot air balloons, back in the Revolutionary War to kind of look over the hill and see where the British were. That, that's where our geospatial intelligence comes from, is balloons, but it is far more sophisticated. They are the folks who mapped out how to capture Saddam Hussein and um, they are a very bright and big group of 8,000 plus another 4,000 uh, contractors. And we've been working with them over the years. Um, and that in, that client, again, they happened to read our Lead With Your Customer book. One of them got a copy of it and said, you know, the thing that makes you different is not just that you talk about serving your customers, but you talk about how you need to think about your customers internally, i.e. your employees, as well as your customers externally. And that's that's what's led to so much business. Another client, Talia, oh, my heart is out to Talia. She read my customer service book on Disney and at the last page, it says, "Hey, you wanna, you want more help? You wanna know how to, how to take this and make this into your own organization? Call here." And she did. She picked up the phone and called me, 
and out of and that ended up being over a, uh, the better part of a year working in Los Angeles and um, and spending time with her. That was great because I could work with her during the day and go to Disneyland for dinner at night. Um, and in the process of working with her, I could see that we needed online tools. We needed comp- uh, what would have been computer-based training back in the day when I pitched it for Disney Institute. I realized that there needed to be online just-in-time learning that they could access at any given time. And so I started the process of doing that, which was really wonderful because as that client came to an end, I started into one of my leaner moments um, back in 2018 or so. And I thought, you know, I need to do more online learning. And that was such a, a blessing because that built up this online learning package that when the pandemic came in and everybody was working from home, we were able to work with Zoom calls and distance learning and use these RISE on uh, online learning tools, which was which I've come to entitle called Excellence in You. And it's, uh, it's online learning that we provide. It's actually online. Excellence in You are the very tools, they are RISE tools, that give you access to the kinds of things we talk about in our Patreon group. When you say join the Patreon group, there are some tools that are focused on those who are fans of Disney, because I'm a fan of Disney, so there's some really great tools around that. But then there are a bunch of tools dedicated to best in business practices at Disney, and they are online tools. And during the recession, we were blessed. We ended up doing like 300 programs over... Over the pandemic, I don't. Maybe I said recession, but over the pandemic, during COVID, we were able to work from home. It gave me more flexibility, more opportunities, and um, and a way to kind of keep my business going by doing that. Um, I've always had lean times. The recession was a hard hit time period, but somehow we came through and we got to the other end of it. And this um, has been a real blessing, being able to work. Um, we're on home. I've started to do more travel abroad um, and will probably continue to do that as I did before COVID. I ended up being a million miler with Delta Delta, and and uh, Marriott has my name etched all over it. And that's biz- travel is a part of my business, but I'm glad that I have an, a, a virtual uh, package as well for people who are wanting that. By the way, during that same pandemic, um, I felt like I needed something more of a tool. And I'd played around with podcasting and started that well before the pandemic, actually in my Los Angeles days. But I decided I needed something more. So that's how how I ended up with so many hundreds of podcasts. I ended up doing, I think at one point I was doing about three podcasts a week uh, for Disney Work at Play because I just... I just wanted to share these ideas and thoughts and comments and so much was happening with the closing and reopening of parks and it's been it's been a delight to do these podcasts as it has been to work um, with the organizations I have worked with. So yeah, to for me, I pardon me, but for those who listen and listen and listen, wonder what does he do for a living? This is what I do. It is. Performance Journeys is what I am celebrating this month. 
20 years of doing, and I am so grateful. It has provided for my family. It's given me flexibility. It's allowed me to serve my community, my faith. Um, I have had the blessing and benefit of working with a great business partner with World Class Benchmarking and Mark David Jones. I have had a chance to see the world. I've been all over. I would never have been to Tokyo Disney, to... um, to uh, Hong Kong Disney, Shanghai Disney, if it hadn't been for our clients, we've had several of them down in Singapore. That has been an amazing experience. If there's one place you need to put on your bucket list, go to Singapore and go see all these other great places in the meantime. Um, but it has allowed me to bring Disney and best in world-class ideas like Disney to other organizations over the years. Um, And then the relationships, the people uh, from Talia and David and Megan and um, Kathy and especially to Mary and Chuck and Stephen and Lorraine. I just, and so many others, 95% of my business is actually repeat business. People who come back to me. And I, if you're listening out there, thank you. Thank you for the privilege and opportunity of working with you. It has been, um, it has been wonderful. It has been a journey and uh, I'm thankful for it. So that's why this podcast as well as others are brought to you by Performance Journeys, which again is celebrating its 20th year as a training and development group, bringing these kinds of best-in-training solutions to organizations, whether they're in the public, private, and non-profit sectors. I really feel it's as much about the journey as it is about the performance. Thank you for being with us on this podcast. In the um, words of Sinbad's storybook voyage, always follow the compass of your heart. Have a great day. We'll see you on an upcoming podcast.